Hey guys, Rod here at A Better Way to Farm. Thank you for going on this journey with us. If you've listened to all of our podcasts on the 12 Nutrients of Christmas, thanks. We enjoy you coming with us and taking a look at what we have. I hope you review them and I hope they brought great benefit to you. So now here we are, very near to the end. Hang on, let's go. Welcome to the A Better Way to Farm podcast, where we share serious secrets about profitable farming. We appreciate you taking the time to join us, and we hope that you'll love the knowledge we share not only with you today, but also in future episodes. So, let's get right into it. One of the things I discovered really early this morning, as I was reading back through here, I highlighted something that was written by Don Schrieffer, and it's just a paragraph. It says, fertilizer burn is caused by plasmol... <laughs> plasmolosis, the opposite of osmosis. The high salts cause nutrients and water to actually seep out of the roots and into the soil. This will cause plant damage ranging from slight retardation of growth to complete dehydration resulting in the death of the roots and the plant. We can make ourselves much more drought tolerant. We can make it so we need less in to get a bushel of corn. I'm going to talk about some of those things. But the more 0060 and the more anhydrous we put on, the less drought tolerant we are. And so we have to be honest with ourselves and say, how are we going to fix this? The first thing that I've, I've come to out of this and I'm more than ever convinced is this. Get your calcium correct. And it's not just pH. I think it was Kinsey that said, oftentimes people with important sounding titles and fancy degrees persuade farmers that the calcium requirements of the soil are determined solely by pH. False. Magnesium will also impact pH. And, two, and there's a whole host of things that go wrong when the, when the magnesium gets too high. We want to make sure that if we have high mag soils, we're using calcitic lime, not dolomatic lime. We want to make sure that we are getting the calcium correct in base saturation. And we will the pH should take care of itself. Yes, I want that pH between 6.3 and 6.8. That's, that's what I'm after. But I don't want to arrive there because I put in a bunch of magnesium. I want to arrive there because I have the base saturation rate of calcium in that 70 range where I want it to be, 70 or up. I want to arrive there because I have everything correct. The more acidic our soils are, the more acid fertilizer we need. The more acid type fertilizer we put on, the more acidic our soils become. Acid fertilizers lead to greater and greater amounts of soluble calcium and phosphates becoming insoluble due to the chemical reactions. Those acid type fertilizers actually have a chemical reaction and the phosphate and the calcium tie up and we have less of both. And in the, in the words of one of these guys, I don't remember which one, it said, one of them said, many nutrient salesmen are either unaware of this fact or they are aware and they choose to ignore it. Neither one of those is acceptable to you. If the nutrient salesman we're working with or saleswoman that we're working with is ignorant of these facts, then we can't afford to know them. If they're aware of these facts and they choose to ignore them, that kind of makes them a criminal. So either way, we need to learn these things and then we need to implement what it teaches us. 
again, modern agriculture has become very much addicted to nitrogen and potash. And like any other addiction, the more we get, the more we want. The more we want, the more we get, the more we get, the more we want. So let us review that 0060 is 40% chlorine. Some of that chlorine becomes muriatic acid, also known as hydrochloric acid. What does that do? It kills all of the bacteria in the soil. It acidifies the soil. It causes calcium to become less available. Some of it will combine with calcium, magnesium, or sodium, and that forms salts. Now, if we want to cure a ham, we salt cure it. Why? Because it dries it out. So if your soil health isn't what you think it should be, and you're salting your earth, does it make sense that that would be why you're not very drought tolerant? Would that be why you burn up quicker? Maybe. Some of that chlorine becomes a chlorine gas, and we talked a lot about this. The problem with that is, is when we get a chlorine gas, it is heavier than the other air in the atmosphere. So it hangs out 18 inches, 24 inches off the soil. And then as soon as we get high humidity, like on a good morning here in Southeast Iowa, when we wake up and the humidity is literally 99%, and the moisture reacts with the chlorine gas, boom. And it goes back into a liquid form, back into the soil to become a chlorine gas, kills a few bacteria, does some harm, dries out the dirt, and then is recycled back into a gas. And it just hangs out in the field, getting recycled year after year after year. And I don't believe that that is a good idea, and I don't believe that it isn't a good idea for you. One of the things that I revisited this morning early was that how the relationship that was discovered between by Kinsey, I believe, between base saturation and how much in it takes to use a bushel of corn or to grow a bushel of corn. <clears throat> he said that at the point in time he was doing his research, and this is even probably more pronounced now, if we have a base saturation rate of magnesium of 12% and all of our other nutrients are correct, it was one pound for one bushel. If we move that base saturation rate to 13 and everything else stays the same. We raise that rate 1%. We go from a pound of N to a pound and a quarter. If we let that get to 18, it takes 1.4 pounds. And if we let it get to 20, it takes one and a half pounds at least. So the fact is it takes one and a half times as much nitrogen. So as my son was working with growers in the Dakotas and they're growing monster crops, 250, 260 plus bushel, and they're doing it on 0.3 pounds, How'd they arrive there? They're doing everything correctly. They have their base saturation rate where it should be. All of the other nutrients are correct. They're putting on the right kind of nitrogen at the right time, at the right rates. I just want you to put a pencil to just this evening, write down how much corn you grew, how many acres, and write down what your nitrogen rate was, and then go in and just pretend instead of using whatever it was, and you're, most of you are probably in that at least eight-tenths of a pound per bushel up to maybe 1.5 pounds per bushel, what would happen if you just changed that to 0.5? How many dollars would it increase your bottom line if you could just do that one thing? Just that one thing. Think about that. What happens when we use too much in then is we induce a zinc deficiency. 
When we, indu when we put on too much in, we tie up copper. What happens when we tie up copper? We have weak stocks. What happens when we put on too much in? K doesn't go into the plant correctly. That also makes weak stocks. So we're tying up the copper, we're keeping the K out of the plant, and then we wonder why we have our corn falling down in the field. When we use too much in, we destroy the sulfur storage system. And we have seen this across the United States so bad that guys need more and more and more sulfur, and they do need it. And they're getting hurt so bad because they're short on it, and it's, a lot of it's just self-induced with too much in. If sodium and potassium add up to 10% or more, you are almost guaranteed a manganese deficiency in your corn plant. If sodium plus potassium add up to 10% or more, you are guaranteed a manganese deficiency. Now folks, we've seen, I've been doing this for 26 plus years, and when we started, the soil test we were looking at, almost everybody had 30 to 40 parts of manganese parts per million. Today, by 90% plus of the soil tests I look at have three to 5%. They should have 30 to 50 parts per million. I'm sorry, not percent. They have three to five parts per million. They should have 30 to 50 parts per million, but they got three to five parts. I'm not going to get into a discussion or an argument about why that is, because honestly, it doesn't matter. The fact is that it does matter. The fact is, it's a fact. And you guys have heard me say, the problem with the truth is it's the truth. And the truth is, we're getting killed because we don't have enough manganese available in our soil. And so we're going to have to address that because of all the interactions. When you look at all of the different things that manganese will interact with, all of a sudden it becomes kind of a big deal because that is definitely going to impact how much potassium you can get into that plant. That's one of the things that is a synergistic effect. If you look at this chart, the manganese and the K have a synergistic effect on each other. So when they're adequate, both of them work better. The problem, when manganese is supposed to be 30 parts per million and it's only three, now all of a sudden we're keeping K from doing what it should from going into that plant. And need I remind you that the studies show that it takes an astronomical amount of K uptake to grow these monster crops. 175 bushel of corn per acre, you got to put into the plant about 250 pounds of potassium. To go from 175 to 255, that's a 50% increase basically. <clears throat> So you say, well, does the K, do, do we just need another 50% K? No, actually, we need to double. We need to double the amount of K that goes into that corn plant. Now, the removal rate, one quarter of a pound of K for each bushel out the gate. But the uptake rate and what's left behind in the stover changes drastically. If you're trying to figure out how to get to a 300 bushel yield goal or a 350 bushel farm average, then we need to be making sure we're getting everything correct. And one of the things that's probably not is this manganese problem. When manganese is less than 30 parts per million, corn growth is stunted and emergence is slowed, plain and simple. Today's podcast is brought to you by our new partnership. And I'm super excited about it because as I've looked on here and watched comments, some of the burning topics that you guys are bothered by is how to transition the farm to the next generation, how to better manage our cash flow, 
how to resolve conflict within a multi-generational family. And our new partnership is going to help you with just that. So check it out at abetterwaytofarmlink.com. I want to talk about the micros in general for a little bit because there's been a ton of really bad research here. Oftentimes, no matter what it is, if we just follow the money, we can figure out how we arrived where we're at. I think that in regards to micros, the research that's been done has been terrible. I've seen major universities come out and say, zinc don't work. You know, zinc, absolutely no response to zinc. Well, if you put on one pound of zinc sulfate, you probably didn't get a response. That's probably true. Wrong product, wrong rate, more than likely at the wrong time, and definitely in the wrong placement form. Four pounds of zinc sulfate drops, what, about two granules of, of actual product in every square foot? What's the odds of finding that with a corn root? Pretty slim, pretty slim. Oftentimes, when they're testing micronutrients, they use too little. Folks, we have to put enough on. It's kind of like... Imagine you're out in the jungle and you got caught and you're trying to rub two sticks together and you rub on them and they get hot, but they don't burn and you quit. You never get the fire. You have to pick them up, rub them together really hard and you have to keep rubbing and keep rubbing and keep rubbing until you get the fire started. When we use too little of a micronutrient, we never start the fire. We rub the sticks together and they get warm, but nothing happens. We have to get the right product in the right place in the right amount. We have to get enough micronutrient in the plant to move the needle. And if we don't do that, there's no results. We will never get results to a micronutrient until we get above the minimum requirement. And if we never get above the minimum requirement, there's never going to be any kind of a yield response. Bad research? I get guys coming in calling me saying, Rod, we tested your starter fertilizer and it just barely paid for itself. Or maybe with $2.60 corn, it lacked a buck an acre of paying for itself. And I kind of like, okay, that's interesting. Let's talk about all the reasons that that's not really super relevant. Reason number one, please show me the body of research where someone went out and did a dry broadcast program and didn't do any and show me the payback on the dry broadcast. By all means, please let me know. Because we use the logic, well, everyone knows that you gotta put some on. Here's the deal. We know when we put on six gallon that we replace an 05060. So those are a wash. If the dollars are the same, that's just a wash. Now the question becomes, which one gets you more yield? And I know the answer to that. So feel free to run that test again anytime, any day, any place, hundreds of times, and confirm what we already know. And so the fact that we use starter fertilizer and it barely paid for itself, well, what? how did that compare? We are going to put something back. We do want to leave a very balanced residue. We do want to build our soils, and the best way to build our soils is through a better residue. And the better the residue will be by the more nutrients that we force feed into it. Let me give you an example of something that's really sad. Really sad is the guy who uses starter fertilizer and he already had really high phosphorus levels and he would still get a response to the starter if he had zinc. But he put on five gallon of 318.18 and cut his yield by six bushel to the acre. Why? Because we know 
that when the P1 test is above 25 or the P2 test is above 50, and that's an either or, that we need to add zinc to the mix immediately. We know that putting force-feeding phosphorus in there, in the absence of zinc, we may actually decrease yield. How sad that we could have had a monster yield increase, 20-25 bushel increase, because we needed to put in two pints of zinc for seven bucks, but we didn't do it. Those are the things that are bad research that we have to guard against. We know that manganese with potassium and copper lead to stock strength. We know that that's how we get our corn to stand better. Again, we know that rust spots are not a paint deficiency. We know that rust spots are caused by rust and covering it up doesn't fix it. We know that a magnesium deficiency that shows up in the plant may actually be a toxicity to nitrogen that we put on too much in and that we therefore depress the ability of the plant to take the magnesium up. And actually what magnesium is, is an antidote to too much nitrogen. And let's review heavy metals for a minute because three out of these five talks specifically a lot about heavy metals. It talks about the fact that oftentimes in the industry, there's a lot of industrial byproducts that get utilized and turned into fertilizer. Folks, we've been running tests on fertilizer and just this year we come across uh, fertilizers that had chromium in them. And we come across fertilizers that had cadmium in them. And we come across fertilizers that have arsenic in them. Guys, we don't even want that on the farm. It causes brain tumors, it causes cancer, it causes our kids to be sick and it depresses your corn growth. It takes very, very, if cadmium is detectable in your starter fertilizer, it is hurting your emergence, plain and simple. And there's a great body of work about that. Guys, again, manganese we know should be 30 to 50 parts per million, and we're looking at soil tests that are coming in at two to five. We know that copper should be two to three parts per million. And I just, in Anderson's book, there's something in here that I think you'd find very interesting. On page 78, there's a deal and it says, here's the name of the disease or the disorder. Here's the symptomatic pathology. And here are your sequential nutrient deficiencies. You fighting corn smut, the first thing to look at is not some chemical, but to make sure your calcium and phosphorus is correct. Are you fighting northern corn leaf blight? then the first thing we should do is make sure our calcium, our phosphorus, and our iron levels are correct. Are we fighting diplodia? We know what diplodia loves. Diplodia loves too much nitrogen, a lack of calcium, a lack of phosphorus, and a lack of potassium. Are you fighting anthracnose? Are you having trouble selling your corn because you have anthracnose in it? It's a fungus. What do we want to do first? Let's be testing all year make sure our calcium, phosphorus, iron, copper, are all in the correct spots in the plant. And he's got these things all listed sequentially and what, they're, you know, what they cause and what in the order of importance. Notice that in corn, not one time in here did it say nitrogen was a nutrient deficiency. Not one of these problems is caused by a nitrogen deficiency. Now there are several of these that are caused because there's too much nitrogen and some other thing was suppressed and couldn't get into the plant. Nothing here caused by nitrogen deficiency. We know that too much K, really high K levels, will tie up both magnesium, keep that from absorbing into the plant, and ties up manganese. And we know that low K, low copper, and low manganese is a weak stock. 
That's the corn that's going to fall down. Neil Kinsey says, here's a real simple rule. You guys know that I have some, some key phrases that I really hold as core values. I do believe that everything that happens in agriculture is good for someone. I just want to make sure that it's good for you, okay? I believe that if you have someone who ever says the phrase, it'll grow out of it, you should fire them right then and right there. Because it'll grow out of it means you, Mr. Farmer, are going to lose a lot of money. But we're not talking about me, the agronomist pocketbook. We're talking about yours. So it's no big deal. It'll grow out of it. Fact, if your corn turns purple, by the time you see the purple color caused by that phosphorus deficiency, you've lost 15 bushel. See, the question is not, will it grow out of it? Of course it grows out of it. Anybody ever harvest purple corn? No. But what did it cost me? That's the question. And the question is about 15 bushel. Here's a little tidbit for you. The average Midwestern soil has 30,000 to 50,000 pounds of potassium per acre in the top seven inches. I'll bet your soil test is not showing 70,000 pounds or 140,000 parts per million of potassium. So, how do we get it? Well, let's talk about what we're doing that makes it so we don't get it. The more of this acid-based fertilizer that we put on, the less of this becomes available. And the less, and the less, and the less. The higher the ammonium in, the more K it takes to get the job done. When we put on more ammonium in, we have to put on a lot more potassium to get where we want to get. Some of the things that we tie together. Folks, I could go on for a really long time. I love what we do. And I love working with you guys. I so enjoy making a difference. And so here's my encouragement. Here's what I want you to think about. It's not a secret. We're not where we want to be. Yes, I'm praying like all of you that we get a trade agreement with China and that we can get these markets restored some. But the 11th commandment says this. If I write up my budget and it doesn't work on paper, it will not work positively in the real world. Shoot, let's be honest. Part of the time I write it up and it does work on paper and it still doesn't work in the real world. So what does that mean? Maybe we need to be rethinking our cash rents. Maybe we need to not violate the 11th commandment. Maybe this idea that I got to rent it because it's going to get better and I want to keep the form. And that's okay if you've got the deep pockets and that's what you choose to do. But choose to be honest with yourself. Choose to be honest with yourself and not violate the 11th commandment. And be willing to ask your people you're working with some questions. Ask them what the interaction is between 0060 and the soil bacteria. Ask them what happens when we apply anhydrous in that zone. What does that do to the soil there? Ask them, how much loss am I experiencing between October 18th and July 15th when I really need that big shot of in? And if they don't want to answer those questions, then maybe you need to ask yourself a question. Why am I doing this? If they don't know the answers and are not willing to dig them out, why are they on your team? Why are they on your team? Guys, we very much 
would value the opportunity to work with you. We very much would like to be on your team. We appreciate you tuning in. We like you following the page and watching all of the, Karen just kills me with all the stuff that she puts up and all the great things that she does from the, the information that she puts up to the entertainment that she puts up. And I appreciate her so much. And I, I know you guys tune in part of the time just to, to get a laugh. And we, we love that. But we also love bringing you information because the bottom line here is the only thing that matters is your bottom line. So guys, hopefully here's some things to think about. Feel free to get us a message. Feel free to give us a call. And I would just tell you that you can call us at 641-919-1206. You can send us a text. If you don't get a hold of us, send us a text or get us a message right here on the Facebook page. Thank you for joining us this week on the A Better Way to Farm podcast. If you found value in this episode, we would appreciate you rating us on iTunes or simply sharing with a friend. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and tune in next time for serious secrets about profitable farming.